What up, Sea of Red? You're listening to Into the Flames, a Calgary Flames fan podcast. Your home for all things Flames and updates around the NHL. With your hosts, Raja Burry and Noah Eppleston. Into the Flames, new episodes every Sunday. Like back when Iginla got traded in 2013, like Noah and I were 12. Like we understood the significance <laughs> of it, but we didn't actually understand the significance of it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, on this, I, I can't, guys, I can't remember a time, like definitely not a time when, when I covered the team and I've been covering the team full time or, or, you know, kind of part time for, you know, 15 years now. I, and, and I can't remember uh, any time a situation quite got to this point, you know, Jerome got traded while the season was still going on. So he never made it to free agency as a member of the flames. Um, and even though they didn't get a great return when it was all said and done, they still traded him in season and got a return and got a first round pick out of it. Um, right. Dio Fleury got traded uh, in, in 98 or 99, whatever it was. Uh, I guess it would have been 99. Um, and, and that doesn't end up, um, that doesn't end up getting a, a guy going to free agency. So a player, like when you think of Johnny Gaudreau, that's who we're talking about. Like when yeah. you think of Johnny, that's a top five player at worst in franchise history. And we're talking about this guy less than four weeks away as we're recording this from free agency. But that, that that's just, it's unprecedented for this organization. It's unprecedented or, or it's extremely rare for the league period. But for this organization, yeah, like this, we, we've, this is brand new territory. No, totally. And yeah, if you, if you let a guy like Johnny walk this off season, right. Um, he, he's arguably a top, top 10 player in the league. Uh, in my books, he's easily a top 10 player in the league, but uh, like the flames haven't been in this territory before. And it's something they really like need to focus on to get Johnny back and, like I know a lot of Flames fans were excited after the uh, the Blundell tweet uh, a couple days ago. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll get into that a little bit, but like the city wants him back, and I know he went through a bunch of criticism uh, through his last couple of years here, where he could never win here, he could never uh, perform through the playoffs or whatnot. But this year, he totally showed what he's made of in a contract year, and that makes it so much harder for the Flames, right? Well, it does. And sorry, I'm just turning this TV off in the background so you don't get in trouble for playing Blue Jays baseball in the background. <laughs> um, the, uh, I just noticed that right now. Um, it, it, it's, it's, and it's such, a, it's such a weird situation because you're right. He has said that he wants to stay or that he's open to staying. And he said that all along. Like I, I remember the first time he was asked about it. Uh, was after the bubble in 2020 and you know that, that there was a lot of criticism and there was a lot of talk about is there going to be changes to the core and then 2021 and that nightmare 56 game season happened and he was asked about it again and he's been adamant all along that he loves it here he'd love to stay here he'd be open to staying here I think you know as he should he stopped short guaranteeing that he's going to resign here because there's a lot of things that go into it but the prop the problem now is that you know no I use the term like the flames have got to do everything like they, they got to make sure they keep them how much of this is in their control and and that's that's the problem is that they were really used to Brad true living 
having and using leverage. And we've seen it with Andrew Mangiapane, and we saw it with Johnny the last time he signed a contract. We, we've seen it with uh, all kinds of different players where he uses his leverage and the player's lack of leverage, as he should, as a good negotiator, to yeah. get a good contract. Well, this time, he has next to no leverage. And this is the first time in a negotiation that that of this profile where the team is kind of helpless. They can They can do their best. They can pitch this or they can offer that. But in the end, Johnny's 20, as, as we're doing this on Friday, June 17th, he's 26 days away from being able to call his shot. And he's 26 days away from being able to table offers from all over the league. And yeah. if he goes there, I don't know if you can blame him. They didn't get something done. They, they, they didn't put something in place prior to the season. And now the Flames are in a spot, and they understandably didn't trade him in season. Why would they have? Yeah. But it puts you now in this spot where every passing day we get closer to June, July 13th, you're kind of, I can understand if Flames fans are gnawing up their nails or puckering up or whatever term you want to use. That's the yeah. situation that, that, that the Flames are in right now. No, totally. And with Johnny's age now, um, sitting at what is he 20 20 28 years old yeah yep. 28 years old um he's ready for his payday right um he, he he needs his payday that's probably what i think he's looking for is is a big payday and he's demanding that high dollar so that's another thing that's going against the flames well there's the the dollar figure guys like there's the fact that you know he just put together 115 points he did things at even strength that we haven't seen since the 19 like uh, I, I guess the last guy that had 90 or more even strength points was mid 90s Yarmer Yager had 95 I think I want to say in 94 95 or 95 96 that's the last time that a player in this league has had 90 or more even strength points Johnny had 90 this year and you know there's lots of talk about Connor and Matthews and um and Huberto and all these different guys None of them had 90 even strength points. None of them. Um, and Johnny was plus 950 or whatever, what he said, plus 63 or plus 64, whatever he finished with. That hasn't been done by a forward since the 1980s. Like we were, we're, we're talking about the best possible season that Johnny could have dreamed of going into unrestricted free agency. And so, yeah, I think there's a payday that comes into it. And I think he and his representation, led by Lewis Gross, are looking at this and saying, yeah, we want to make this a once-in-a-lifetime contract because this is a once-in-a-lifetime situation. But I, I think there's more to it than dollars and cents. I, there's a look. I, I think things. I, I don't know this for a fact. I, I am not privy to Johnny's personal life, and nor would I ever suggest to be. But you know, he got married last summer, and there's all like things change when you get married and start talking about wanting to have a family or, or, and I, again, I don't know what the situation is, but I don't know what their, how, how much that changes things, but I don't think it's crazy to think that being married and, and now you're thinking about settling down and, and where you want to kind of lay down roots. Yeah. If, if it's closer to home, I, I don't think you can blame a guy for saying, well, okay, yeah, wouldn't mind starting a family closer to where I grew up or where my family and friends are and where my wife's family and friends are. So I think there's, I, I think there's a whole lot more to it than just dollars and cents. And there's hockey fit and winning and all that type of stuff. And Calgary checks some boxes and maybe Calgary doesn't check other boxes. But right. uh, yeah, there, there's a lot that goes into this one now. Let's say he's not signed or... There's no deal in place a week before unrestricted free agency, a week before July 13th. 
both of the captains right now in the Stanley Cup final, they both like Stamkos tested the market. Landeskog was signed the night before free agency opened. Yep. Um, you you can't really predict when pen will hit paper as long as until it does really. And until it does, there's going to be constant speculation. We had Ryan Leslie on halfway through the year. Um, we had Kelly Rudy on, we asked him the same question. They gave us different answers. We said, do you think all four of our big four, I'm going to call them pending free agents as in Gaudreau, Kachuk, Manjapani, Shillington, will all four be in flames jerseys come next season? Ryan Leslie just straight up gave us a no. I was never that depressed in my entire life. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> Kelly Rudy said, I'm hopeful, which I like that answer. What would your answer be, Pat? Oof. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I, I don't I I do I do think that there's still a chance that Johnny resigns, but all four of those guys, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go no. And there's a few different reasons for that. I mean, first of all, you know, I I was in like the 90th percentile that Johnny re-signs here prior to this past season. And I believe like I, I, my belief is that they were close to a contract prior to this season. It didn't get done for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason was, right. whether flames, whatever. They, and, and Johnny admitted as much. Johnny admitted they had, they had conversations prior to the season. And, and I've been one of the big reasons why I've been so optimistic throughout the entire year that he signs back is because there was very much a mutual desire to get this done. And they did have conversations prior to this past season. They decided to table them for the season because didn't want to be a distraction on either side. It seemed yeah. to work because he had 115 points. Um, <laughs> but now here we are, like we're less than four weeks. And I, I'm sorry, I, I wouldn't blame Johnny in the slightest. If he's like, I, I'll never get a chance like this again in my life. And I'll never like, yeah, he's already made enough money in his lifetime for 700 of us, but he has this chance to do something that 0.00001% of the world has the chance to do, and that's go to unrestricted free agency as the number one target on the this ain't this isn't even Taylor Hall who had his opportunity scuttled because of COVID. Like this is yeah. now we're back to normalish. Economics are back to normalish. Johnny Gaudreau has an opportunity to do something that he'll never get an opportunity to do again. And 99.9% of the NHL doesn't get a chance to do. So I wouldn't blame him in the slightest if he went there and gets tempted or decides to go elsewhere. But then, you know, there's, there's the trickle down. If that happens, what does that do for Matthew Kachuk, who is a year away from being an unrestricted free agent himself? Does that, does that kind of convince him not to sign in Calgary? Wouldn't put that out of the question. The one guy that I am quite confident is going to sign is Manjapani. I think that they will get some sort of deal done there. The wild card in all of this is Shillington. And guys, I just, I don't, this is not coming from any intel or anything like that. I just wonder if there is a chance that they look at selling high on the season Shillington just had. And yes. here's a guy that they've had contentious-ish negotiations with in the past. This was a breakout year that blew all our minds and very few of us saw it coming. But you've got this, you've got this number eight that plays the right side. And this guy makes star defensemen. It feels like he, he you know, he was yeah. Quinn Hughes and Noah Hannafin, and hell, even look at Mark Giordano's season when he went and played with yep. Chris Tanev yep. last year. 
So you've got, whether it's Connor Mackey or Yusuf Alamaki, those are the two left side defensemen that you would look at as, as kind of the highest prospects. Well, now all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, look what just happened with Oliver Shillington. Maybe we sell high. He is a restricted free agent. You can understand if JP Berry is agent, and, and their representations like, okay, well, after the last couple of contract negotiations, now we're going to dig our heels in and, and we're going to use some of our leverage. They've got arbitration rights, all that type of stuff. Maybe they say yeah. we're going to sell high and we're going to see if Chris, the, the Chris Tanev bump can elevate Connor Mackey. And I could absolutely see that being the case. They're different defensemen, Mackey and Shillington, but I, I'd be curious. So, yeah, I, I'm going to say no, too. Ryan was much more bold than I because he did it midway through the season. Um, but, you know, at the end of the season, approaching free agency, I'll, I'll, I'll go no as well. It would be awesome if yes, though. The best case scenario is yes. Right, but- yeah. Based off the season that we just watched and how much fun it was to watch Flames hockey this year, um, you would, in the perfect world, you would love to have all four of those guys back. But realistically, with the economy and, and the hockey and how it is, it's it realistically, it's not going to happen. You're going to lose one or two of them. Um, but yeah, still for us, the big one is Goudreau, right? And that kind of has a, like, it's not like you, uh, like you said, it has an effect on Kachuk, whether he'll sign back here because those two guys do love playing together. That line has said it multiple times, uh, mm-hmm. Lindholm, Kachuk and Goudreau, that they love playing together and they played so well together this year. So that's, that's the one thing that I'm super hopeful for. Well, and what's so interesting is how the Flames go about their business if indeed Johnny doesn't resign. Because I think it's easy to see how they go about their business if he if he signs. If he signs, then you pivot to Kachuk and see if you can't get him signed. And you know now you're probably looking at two eight year deals at around say both in the double digits are close to yeah. it. So now you're talking. Talking about that, uh, you, you get Manjapani done, at, you know, probably a long-term deal there, and then you start to look at where you're sacrificing. You know, is it? Are you able to bring back either of Goodbranson or Zadorov, or both? Do both have to walk? Do you have to do something with Milan Lucic's money, or or Sean Monahan's cap hit, or are there other areas that you could look to try to give yourself some cap flexibility to make sure that you can keep these guys? That's the best case scenario, and even that still comes with some pain and and some you know consternation and trying to figure out what you're going to do if Johnny and I I, I said this earlier this week on Flamestock when we were talking about it like for me it's kind of like a three different roads that they could go down and obviously getting Johnny and Kachuk both three signed long term best case scenario that's the best option if Johnny leaves an unrestricted free agency because he is the closest one to being able to leave, well, then I think you really go hard after Matthew Kachuk and see if you can get him to agree to a long-term deal or at the very least get the idea that this is something that is possible and and have a good feel that he wants to be a part of this long-term. Yeah. And then maybe you go into free agency and – you see if you can find something. You can see if you can use your little Sweden angle to entice Philip Forsberg and sign him to a big deal. Right. Forsberg's, yeah. Forsberg's younger than Johnny, so he maybe is. maybe that's a and he's not he's not going to give you 115 points, but he could give you 35, 40 goals. Like that's what and you put For him sure. yeah put him on a line with Kachuk and Lindholm, and you know I, I think there are so such similar skill sets between those three. I still think it's a dynamite line, and I don't think you take a massive step back. 
or maybe you go after Kadri, or maybe there's something else that you do. So that would be road number two. And then road number three, which is the least palatable and the one that's no, not a lot of fun to talk about. But if Johnny doesn't resign and you get the sense that Matthew's not really looking at signing a long-term deal here either, well, then I think you have to be okay with hitting a reset and, and pivoting a little bit. And yeah. you look at it and say, okay, well, we'll, we'll either give Matthew his qualifying offer and trade him before the deadline a la Ottawa and Mark Stone, what, three years ago? Um, and, and see if you can't do that. Or maybe you don't sign him and, and trade his rights elsewhere and another team signs him. Uh, th- that, that would be option number three. It's not the one that Flames fans want. It's not the one I, I want to see. I want to see Johnny and Matthew sign long-term. I think that's what's best for the organization, but it's not fully in their hands. And so those are kind of the three different paths that I see here. I want to ask you about Sean Monaghan. I mean, really with the, you know, all the injuries that this guy's battled through and just the amount of, for lack of a better term, just like the amount of shit that he's been through the last two years surgically and, even more like we're talking since 16, 17 season Um, where, which route do you think is more, most preferable um, with Sean? I mean, there's three here. There's you either trade him and we know that they've looked at that Avenue before with the Josh Anderson um, talk before the Domi Anderson deal went down. Um, It even came out that, you know, Hampus Lindholm back at the deadline before he went to Boston um, you either have that, you have the buyout route, which also would only make sense on whether or not he's healthy enough for them to actually enact it, enact that path. And then option three is Keith. where do you, where do you stand on that one? I, I really think that the best case scenario on Monaghan is to keep him. I, I don't, because I don't think a buyout is realistic. And I, I say that only because, I don't, but when, when the buyout window opens in what, two weeks, uh, he's not going to be like, he's still, he's still an LTIR player. And as much as he's ahead of schedule, he's not, he's not fully healthy yet. And so being that he is an injured player, he's got to sign off on it and he has to give consent to be bought out. What player is going to be give consent to give up a third of their salary. Right. So that's, Two two plus million dollars that Sean's just saying. No, no, no. I don't want that anymore. Like, I don't. I don't think he yeah. consents to being bought out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a trade makes sense for the organization. They're already short on assets. They traded away a lot to bring in Tyler Toffoli and Callie Yarncroke, and so I don't. And and they will want like. There's no way unless they're doing a Lucic for Neil deal. There's no, which probably doesn't save them anything. There's no way that I think you're just offloading Monaghan's salary without giving in some sort of sweetener. Um, so there's that. And, and I don't know what the market even would be in that because you're talking about a guy who's had two hip surgeries in less than 365 days. So to me, the best case scenario is that this second hip surgery is a good one. And the second hip surgery is what Sean needs to come back and, and be a more effective player. I don't think that we, we see 30 goals, Sean Monaghan. 
again at any point, but could we see a 15 to 20 third line center, Sean Monahan, who's an effective player that can still give you, he was still an effective power play player when he was this year for the flames. He was not as great, even strength. He really struggled a lot of the time at even strength, but can he become that guy who can be a, a solid 14, 15 minute guy again for you? That to me is the best case scenario. Now, I'm not saying that's a probable thing that happens, but even if it doesn't, riding out the final year of his contract and then reevaluating with him being an unrestricted free agent uh, and, and having the ability to then just walk away and no longer have that cap hit on your books, that to me is the best case scenario. Is yeah. or, or or the 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 one that makes the most sense. Even if he doesn't rebound, and even if the hips are just to the point where it's like, yeah, he's just he's never going to be that guy again. I I honestly hope that's not the case. This guy has, first of all, having gotten to know Sean a little bit, covering this team throughout his entire tenure, he's like a, a really nice guy who cares about the team, who, yeah, we make the, there's the boring Sean Monaghan and we make fun of, of the media stuff and all that type of stuff, which is, which is great, but he's actually just like a legitimately good dude. And he's been involved in the community and he has given everything to this organization. And, and so I hope that it works out. I hope that we're talking about uh, a Bill Masterton story next year for Sean Monaghan. That is my number one hope. And I don't think it's completely out of the question, but I don't know if it's probable, but the worst, the, the worst that happens is you have a guy who's got one year left on his contract that for the balance of his contract, give you damn good minutes and damn good production and you ride it out and then he's an unrestricted free agent and you shake his hand at the end of it and say, we're not going to bring you back. And yeah. then he moves on and sees what, sees what happens. Yeah. But I don't think a buyout is realistic just because of the injury situation. And I just feel like a trade is something that, it, it's going to be yeah. too costly asset wise for it to make sense for Calgary already short on assets. Right. Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And yeah, like Sean Monaghan, um, he's one of those guys like Goudreau that uh, brought me and Raja like in to love this team. Right. Like we grew up watching Sean Monaghan and Johnny Goudreau, like when they were that, that dynamic duo together. So it is something that I would also love to see is for him to hopefully have a successful, another proper hip surgery and he can come back next year and really, prove that he's kind of still is that guy and look i mean it wouldn't be the craziest thing but we've also seen like th- these hip surgeries are significant like uh, you know tyler sagan does not look like the guy that he no. used to be um and and maybe that comes back jamie ben had one he does not look like the guy that he used to be but look sean still can shoot it and he was still a pretty decent power play player for the, the games that he played this year, um, especially the first half of the season. You go take a look at some of the analytics. He was an above average power play part and still was an important part of Calgary's power play one. And at even strength, he was, you know, a below average even strength yeah. player. Yeah. If you can get him to being an average even strength player and still an above average power play part, and knowing the relationship that he has with Johnny, you know, maybe that's the, an incentive to bring, to get, get Johnny to stay. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, I, I really, I really think best case scenario for the flames is, is having Sean in the fold next year. We talked about Shillington's breakout. What do you think the team does with Zadorov and Branson? Do you think at least one of the two stay, both stay, both go? Where, where are you at with that? Um, well, it depends on 
the the Johnny stuff first. Yeah, of all. I think like, it's part of a trickle down. Yeah, it really is. And again, it kind of goes in those those three different prongs, right? That we were talking yeah. about earlier. I I don't think both are back. Period. I like regardless of what happens, I think one of them is back. I'd be surprised if that pairing is back next year. Um, and it'd be cool if it was, but then just like my read on it would be, I think Zadorov at his age is going to command a pretty decent contract and free agency and i don't know if the flames are in a position to give him three or four years at four and a half million or something like that um so i i if if i were to handicap it i think zadorov's more likely to go elsewhere next year um i really think they would like to retain good branson i think that that is that, that i i I believe that they would like to keep him, And I think that that is one of the things that they have on their board. And let's, let's retain good Branson, but it's got to make sense. And he had such a, a good year that, you know, he had what's 31 years old, uh, 30, 31. He's a guy that has the opportunity to get a contract that a year ago, he probably didn't think he was going to get. Um, yeah. And that is, I, I think there's a chance that if he goes to free agency, he can get himself a multi-year deal. Kind of, he was just under two this year. I think he probably is in the three range next next year on, on a deal that's maybe two or three years. And if the Flames retain all their guys that they need to retain that are, you know, the ones that we've talked about, um, maybe it's a little bit more difficult to retain Goodbranson at a raise and certainly retain Zadorov at a raise. So I think Goodbranson's the one that they would prioritize bringing back. Mm-hmm. I think he's the one that would – maybe be okay with taking less than market value to stay as well. Because like just knowing some of the things I, I you know, Eric, Eric, uh, new family really liked being here in Calgary. Um, it was a good fit. I know that uh, him being, I, 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 I think, I think I've heard this. Um, I'm, I'm quite certain that, you know, I, I, he's bilingual and he really likes the, the French immersion options that exist here in Calgary. So I, I, I think he's the guy that, has the uh, ability to, or, or has maybe the desire to not go and take the highest possible dollar figure that's out there and maybe stay on more of a, a team friendlier deal. Um, yeah. Whereas I, th- this is, you know, it's different than Johnny, but for Zadorov, he's what, 26 years old. This is an opportunity for him to take a big time, a big totally. time contract in free yeah. agency. And he had a pretty good year, had a pretty good playoffs. Um, and so that type of player, with his physicality, his size, his skating, the fact that, yeah, he had some really rough moments this year, but I would say that the, the good stuff outweighed the bad stuff Definitely. for Zadorov yeah. this year. And I, I, he's an NHL defenseman and he's an impact NHL defenseman sometimes. And I think he'll, he'll get a nice deal in free agency if he goes there. You, you talked about Val Mackey, um stepping in and playing next to Tanev, say next year, if Shillington, uh, if Shillington walks. Um, what do you think, we are going to see out of Valimaki say he gets that shot because he's a guy that has been so up and down in this organization, um, never truly gotten a real shot. And every time he has things just haven't seemed to go his way. Um, So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think Mackie would be ahead of him on the depth chart and and that can change in training camp. And, and there's a big year for you. So, um, he's got a really big summer ahead of him in terms of, some of the things that plagued him this year, and and there was physical things and men- mental confidence things that 
kind of wreaked havoc on Yuso's season this year. And physically, he just hasn't looked like the same defenseman since that knee injury in, what, August 2019? Yeah. Um, that That's... That seems to have completely derailed things for him from, you know, he just doesn't look like the same guy. Because guys, remember, in the 18-19 season, prior to him sustaining the high ankle injury, he was an everyday defenseman on that team that ended up winning the Western Conference. And then he came in, he went to the American League, understandably, he had the high ankle sprain. Don't bring him into a team that's rolling. Let him go to the American League. But he comes in in the playoffs, replaced Fantenberg, and he was one of their two or three best players from that point forward and so like understandably expectations were high for this guy going into the season and the knee injury happened it's never been the same then COVID happened which messed things up even more and and he's had a hard time getting it back physically and he's had a hard time getting it back mentally I think he struggled has struggled immensely with confidence so there's a big offseason for him go back to Finland maybe get some R&R train hard there work with Danielle, the skating coach here, uh, and, and put him, pour himself into making it so that he comes to training camp. And yeah, I think that on the depth chart on September 15th, when they start training camp, I think the depth chart will say Mackey's ahead of Alan Mackey. Yes. Well, put yourself yep. in a spot so that you can change that. And, exactly. you know, do, do what Oliver did this past off season, but this past training camp. Shillington came in as like the nine and three games into the season, he was top four. So that's, that's what kind of Yuso's model is. And, and there might be opportunity. There likely will be opportunity for him there. Um, So I think there's still a lot there with him. We're still talking about a guy who is very, very young, specifically when it comes to games played, he has had so much wiped out over the last few years. I am not one to say, give up on this guy. Now, I can absolutely buy the change of scenery conversation. Maybe that needs to happen, or, or maybe that could help him. But if I'm the Flames, I don't know if I'm eager doing that because I still think there's a lot there. And I know that others don't, and that's, that's fine. I get why. But I, I think that there's still a lot to work with there. Brad Treliving is very loyal to his draft picks, especially his first round picks. Like, you know, we saw how long it took for Sam Bennett to get traded. And I don't think Brad ever wanted to do that. And, and, you know, I, I just, I look at, I look at you. So, and I, I think that Brad is, is going to be very patient with them because I think he still believes in him. So I'm really, I'm really curious about him. I think that we're, we're, I think that we have a better idea as to Connor Mackey, but Yuso is a wild card, guys, and and that's why I say there's a. Ma- so I I do think if he throws himself into this off season and has a good off season and comes back and with a with a different approach, similar to how Oliver came back with a different approach this past September, well then I think that the option is there or the opportunity is there to be on Chris Tanev's left side and yeah. have Tanev be that guy that can really help Yuso grow into the defenseman that he did because it's not like it's not like Noah Hannafin left Tanev's side and floundered and was no good. Like that was a pretty good pairing with. I, I know that Noah struggled in the back back half of the postseason, but better better part of the season, Noah and Rasmus Anderson made up a pretty damn good pairing, right? Mm-hmm. They they were really good together. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Flames have just under twenty seven mil in projected cap space twenty six nine two five to be exact. 
Let's say in principle, we're going to talk hypotheticals because it's fun. Let's say in principle, you have a potential deal in place with Gaudreau, Kachuk, Manjapani, and Shillington, and you need to shed money, but you want to keep Monaghan. There's no takers. You got to keep him on your books. Milan Lucic has a $3 million signing bonus that he will earn on July 1st. His base salary is a million dollars. His A-team trade list turns into a 10-team trade list as a part of his modified no-trade clause. Do you see a path where the team could look at something with Lucic in order to make cap, you know, in order to make cap room? Absolutely. I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the options that they will have flexibility wise. Cause you know, I kind of looked at it this year and, and as the season went along and you saw how things were developing and you saw the flames is a pretty darn good team, you know, there were luxuries that they had this year because of some of their really good contracts. Like having Lindholm at his deal and Hannafin and Raspis at their deals and Johnny on a sweetheart deal and Matthew only at seven, all those, they had, they had flexibility and they had luxuries this year. Well, to re-sign all the guys, they're going to have to sacrifice some of those luxuries. And those, there were four, there were like a, the, the, the four to me were like a, about a $6 million third pair. That's a luxury. This team may yeah. not be able to have um, a $6.375 million fourth line center. That's a luxury. They probably don't have it. A $5.25 million cap hit on the, in the bottom six in Milan Lucic. It's probably a luxury. All of those luxuries, they probably won't be able to keep if they're going to resign all their guys. And so, if, so if we're taking Monaghan out of the equation, rightfully so, yeah, I think, I think Lucci is one of the guys that they will have an ability to or, or have the option to do something with. And they, they, they may have to um, incentivize with a pick yeah. or something like that. Um, but the very – like I don't think it would be as difficult with Lucic because of the salary situation that you just talked about. Flames pay the, the signing bonus – and then the $1 million in actual salary becomes palatable. A team with a ton of cap space who's looking for a good vet all of a sudden makes a trade. I don't know that we don't know who the 10 teams are right. on Milan's trade list, but you take a look at some of the teams that are going to have cap space. He is a lower mainland guy, and Seattle would love a veteran like that to come right. in. And that's a guy who's from the area, knows the area. That's a, this guy played in Vancouver. This guy's from Vancouver. Like here is a, and this guy's won a Stanley cup. He's got the legend, a big looch. Like he would be a selling point for year oh, two totally. in Seattle. Um, yeah. And I think young teams, if you take a look at a, a, a New Jersey, for instance, you know, they've got some really, really good young talent. Well, a guy like Luch, even just having been there, done that for a year, I think there's some some value in that. And they've got like $700 million of cap space, it feels like, in New Jersey. So yeah. uh, th- there's there, there are definitely options. I don't think the price to move Lee Cheech from a flame standpoint, you know, giving up an asset would be as high as it would be to move a guy like Monaghan because there's more unknown with Monaghan. You know, you don't know how this guy's going to respond after a second hip surgery, whereas Lou Cheech, had some really good moments this year and proved at times that he can still be an impact player. And even in the playoffs had some really, really good stretches. And, and sometimes you're like, yeah, damn, Milan Lucci, look what he's that line with him and Lewis, they're, they're doing things. So, and, and there's a little bit of a, a legendary status when it comes to, to Milan as well. So I do think they'll, they'd be able to, to do that. Um, and it's one of the options they'll have for sure. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think to just kind of um, end it off, Pat, um, I wanted to talk to you about like the bottom, the bottom six other UFAs, uh, like Trevor Lewis, Brett Ritchie, uh, Callie Yarncrock, guys like that. What, what do you think happens there? Um, do you expect any of them to be back or do the Flames look at a different kind of bottom six moving into next year? Well, I think with Daryl Sutter still here as the head coach, I think at least one of those guys will be back. I'm not, I don't know about Yarn Croak. I, I liked Yarn Croak as a player. Uh, I thought that he did his job fairly well as a third line responsible two way center. But the, I guess there was more on the one side than the other. Like he didn't score his first goal until the final playoff game. Yeah. It was a big goal at the time, but um, he didn't score his first goal until game five against Edmonton. He didn't score in the regular season. Uh, and that's okay. I still thought he did his job. And I thought that I, I have no problem with that trade. I do not criticize that. No, trade. Me, I thought no, it was a great too. trade at the time. And I thought like he upgraded on Monahan number three center. And that's what they needed to do. And saying all that, uh, I don't know if there is like, I don't know if you need to bring him back, especially because he's probably going to cost you more than a million dollars on your salary cap. Yeah. So I don't know if you need to bring a yarn croak back. I, I bet you Daryl Sutter will push hard to bring Trevor Lewis back because you know, Lewis good veteran familiarity with the coach, just consummate professional knows his role plays as well. Role as a fourth liner well enough can give you a good, decent penalty killing minutes. I, I would, I would be, I would not be surprised rather if Lewis is back Richie. Yeah. Same thing. Daryl likes him. And that's a guy that you probably get an NHL minimum. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and again, as we saw, I don't think that the narrative of, well, NHL veterans, no room for young players. I don't know if that necessary because Shillington played over Zadorov. Shillington played over Stone. So I think that they, Daryl Sutter kind of proved that narrative wrong in a lot of ways yeah. uh, this year. So, you know, even if they were to re-sign Lewis and Richie, and by the way, I think Brett Richie takes way too much of a bad rap. Guy, the guy should never have been playing last season on a line with Gaudreau and Monaghan. That was ridiculous. No, no, but, yeah. But Brett Ritchie is a fourth liner. He's a pretty effective fourth liner. Uh, you can is. take a look yeah. at the analytics, the expected goals, all that type of stuff. Like he, he works hard and actually gets results in his role against other fourth yeah. line opposition. Yeah. He does it pretty well. So if they were to bring back Ritchie and Lewis next year, that doesn't necessarily mean that Jacob Pelche couldn't play. If, if Pelche comes in and is clearly an NHLer, they will find room and they will mm -hmm. make room. Um, mm -hmm. So – yeah, my if I were to handicap it, I would say Yarn Croak probably not, especially if he's looking for uh, a decent raise. And again, he was only a one million dollar cap hit for the Flames. He was. I guess if if I were to handicap it, I would say Lewis probably comes back, Richie next, and then Yarn Croak. I, mean, I don't think it would be crazy if all three of them were to, but I I would be most surprised if Yarn Croak is back next year. Fun question: Do you think Michael Stone gets another one year deal again this year? Probably. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> why why wouldn't you? Um, yeah. He's he's fine doing whatever. Um, and he he is. We just talked about Lewis being a consummate pro. Like Michael Stone is a grown up. He's an adult. He, he is. is he yeah. he just he does what is asked of him. And and I watch practice every day at the dome. That dude is out after practice working his ass off. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with the way it works on a game day, on a game day, 
They do their morning skate and the guys who are playing get their reps in. They do their, usually on a morning skate, they'll do like four or five drills. Um, just like get the legs moving, nothing crazy. Yeah. Um, they'll do line rushes, do a couple breakouts. Then they'll stretch and then they'll do the forwards will break off and they'll do shooting drills and tip drills um, and face-offs and the defenseman will go to the other side and, and they'll start taking uh, passes off the wall and, and one-timers and stuff like that. Um, but then the 20 guys who were playing that night or starting goalie and the 18 skaters who were playing yeah. that night, they're all gone pretty quickly. And then the two, three, four scratches in the backup goalie, they get their asses handed to them by the assistant coaches. Like they are skated and they're not doing fun drills. They're doing mountain climbers and they're doing pivots and they're doing pylons and okay, like it yeah. sucks. Uh, yeah. And Michael Stone does it and does it with a smile on his face. And, and, um, and so like, yeah, I, I think that, um, and then he probably will have offers for the first time in a while. He'll probably get some interest from yeah. around the league, but he, his home's here. His family's here. He is at the stage right now where if the flames want him back, I think that he probably prioritized staying in Calgary. So my yeah. guess is Stoner's back and I hope he is because he's such an awesome dude. He's one of the, he's one of the really good dudes in hockey. He is for sure. Yeah, definitely. He's awesome. How would you rate Tyler Toffoli's year since he came in? Oof. <laughs> Trying to take recency bias out of it. Um, <laughs> and he was not one of the guys that Brad Trilliving mentioned being injured either. Um, I would – I thought he was such a great fit early on. Uh, like he was a point per game almost in his first like 15 right. yeah. with the Flames. And you're like, damn, this is a good trade. And he came in and scored that unreal one-leg goal. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, it was <laughs> – I would say I would give him, like, a, I don't know, C- minus or I, – I like, it, it, it ended so – and I'm not saying that it will go like this, but it started really well. And then, like, we were talking about it as the regular season was coming to an end, the final – 15 games or so he dropped right off the, the production yeah. fell off. Um, the effectiveness at five on five fell off. All of a sudden you're like, where, where did the Tyler Toffoli go? That was so good prior. And then really wasn't much there in the playoffs. Yeah. He scored what well, he scored a big goal in game seven against Dallas. That was his first goal of the series um, to tie it one, one. But I mean, really there wasn't much there. He was not, not really an impact maker against the Oilers. Yeah. And that was a guy that you know, they brought in to really be a difference maker as they got deeper in the playoffs and like he was for Montreal a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. But it really wasn't there. And I don't know if it's the skating. I don't know if it's the, the speed thing. They went up against a really fast Oilers team. And I don't know if that maybe exposed it a little bit, maybe. But the, the, the last part of the regular season wasn't all against the Oilers. It was against a bunch of different teams. Just, so I, I think – there's more to Toffoli on the Flames than what we saw in the final 30 games or so in a Flames jersey. So I probably lay slice somewhere in between that really great start and the lackluster finish. But yeah, I would be somewhere in the C, C minus C, something like that is how I would grade Toffoli overall. That being said, I still think it was the right acquisition. I, and, and, yeah. You know, I'm one of those, especially now, I really, really try to, if I'm going to go and say I love a deal at the time, I'm not going to three months later be like, what a stupid trade by Brad for living. How could you do that? I thought Toffoli was the perfect fit. It didn't work perfectly. 
There's still two years left, and I still think that there is more to Toffoli on the Flames than what we saw down the stretch and in the playoffs. Um, and I still think it was the right trade to make. I still think that they got a really good deal on Toffoli. Um, and the same thing with Yarncroke. Was Yarncroke great? They give up a lot. No and yes, no. but I still think it was. Um, I still think it was the right trade to make. Yeah, totally. For this team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were making a push, and that's that's the kind of moves that you need to make, right? So. Yep. And I feel like conditioning also has a big part of it. I mean, Daryl, that was like the main thing he stressed when he came in here. Like he he gave. The and vote. even at the end of the season, same thing. Yeah. And I feel like just this something's got to attest to. I guess keeping the legs going for a duration when you're on the worst place team in the NHL and then you head over to a playoff team and people always talk like, you know, Daryl, he had him before all that sort of thing. It's like, yeah, but that was also eight, eight years ago. Like there's a different person, there's a different fit. Right. Um, I don't know. I have, I have confidence that to fully could, you know, that, that he'll be fine for the remainder of his contract. I don't, I feel like that play dipping off, I mean, even with Yarncroke also, like you're uprooting your life, right? To go up to a playoff team, you're changing up new system adjustments or a thing. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence that Toffoli is going to have a bounce back year next year, especially under Daryl's, I guess, you know, off season training regimen, whatever, whatever farm labor he has the boys doing. But um, yeah, um, that's where I'm at with it. Um what about you, Noah? Where are you out to fully? I I don't know. Like Pat said, it, it was the right move, right? And things don't always fit the shoe. It's not always going to work how you think it's going to go, right? Um, I I think with a yeah a proper like training regimen uh, under Daryl, get them on what the team the year before had uh, was doing over the summer. Um, get him on that and maybe he gets a better look. Say if Johnny or Kachuk isn't back next year, right? Say he gets a, a look with Lindholm or uh, if Kachuk isn't back and Johnny's back, he gets a look with those guys. Anything could really still happen, right? Um, he, he did what was asked of him and he, he played some tough minutes and I don't know. I thought he did okay. Thank you, Pat. This was awesome. We were one of the people at the top that we wanted to have you on here when you first started and then and then we're like, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll have him on when we're, you know, grown a little bit. So either way, it was special. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, boys. It was fun. Yeah, your, your insight and just the way you look at the game and, and the players is, is awesome to hear. It was really cool to talk to you. Well, it was, uh, it was good. That's like the most in-depth off-season conversation I've had yet. We've been in the off-season <laughs> doing our show for a long time. That was good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> awesome. I mean, Pat, like 90% of my Twitter is just me retweeting your uh, <laughs> lines and your practice lines and all of that jazz. <laughs> well, good. Keep it up. I need, I need all the, I need all the pumping I can get. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. Alrighty. Thank you so much, Pat. All right, boys. Uh, be well, be in touch. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, Thank for sure. Definitely. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Hey. Yeah. yeah you you too. too, Pat. All right. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, Noah. All right. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. All right, so that was Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960, the fan. I uh, I love talking to him, man. He's awesome. Yeah, he he goes so in depth with everything. It's like I, just I, like the way he was like saying things and like how he looked at this team and what's going to happen. It's actually amazing. I felt jittery asking the question. Even my questions <laughs> came off jittery. It was bad. Yeah, that yeah. was the first time I've ever actually felt that jittery since <laughs> Duffy. 
Like, yeah, yeah, oh, for man. sure. But uh, yeah, if you guys liked our content, I promise we're not usually as nervous. <laughs> if you guys liked our content, please uh, consider subscribing, uh, streaming on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. And then uh, we'll get back to you shortly when news might be, Yeah, yeah, m- might be a little bit of a break here, I think, right? I mean, yeah. a little bit. Um, but hopefully we'll be back soon. Hopefully we'll have something to talk about soon. We'll see. Hopefully. And hopefully it's in a positive manner because if yeah. not, then I, I wouldn't even want to listen to our podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, thanks for listening, everyone. And yeah. uh, thanks for watching. Please like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. That's where most of our growth is being directed towards. And uh, without further ado, uh, that'll be all. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody.